Welcome back to our weekly podcast. We're in the final week of our series, Summer in the Psalms. Throughout the month of July, we've been reading through the second book of Psalms, which consists of Psalms 42 through 72. And I've selected four of those Psalms to preach through. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 62. For a lot of people, this is a favorite Psalm and for good reason. I'm going to start with the text. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 62 as I read aloud. David wrote, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales, together they are lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. Psalm 62 was written by David and is the first of two psalms of trust or psalms of confidence in the second book of Psalms. Psalm 63 is also classified as a psalm of trust. Following several psalms of lament and repentance, David transitioned into these two psalms of trust. We don't know the exact context in which this psalm was written, but that doesn't change the effect that it's had and continues to have in the lives of God's people. When we read through the psalm like we just did, it's easy to recognize some familiar themes. For example, the first two verses say, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. And then if you jump down to verses 5 and 6, they repeat this truth. David said, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. We see these themes throughout God's word, but especially in the Psalms. They remind me of Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2, also a Psalm of David. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. David frequently wrote about the importance of waiting quietly before God, waiting in silence before God, and being still before the Lord. This was all about waiting on God's timing and direction in his life. He also liked to describe God as his rock, his fortress, strong tower and savior. David's confidence and trust was always rooted in the truth of who God is. We see this kind of confidence and trust in Psalm 62. Even though his trust was rooted in the truth of who God is, he still brought his struggles, fears, and complaints to God, and he did so honestly. In verses 3 and 4, David described himself as a man who felt like he was about to fall down, a broken down wall or a tottering fence. Throughout his life, David had a lot of enemies, King Saul, foreign nations, and even his own family at times. 
When I read this psalm and others like it, it sounds like David was just tired physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. He experienced a number of difficult seasons where he had to learn how to wait on God's timing and direction. As we focus in on Psalm 62, that's what I want to talk about. I've entitled today's message, God's Answer in Times of Waiting. Today, I'd like to share three truths that'll help you rely on God during those seasons when you're waiting on his timing and direction. If you're taking notes, the first truth that David wrote about is that God alone leads us. We see this in verses one through four. David wrote, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. David's faith wasn't in God plus something else. His faith was in God alone. I love how he started this psalm. I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. God alone is the one who led or directed his life. Now, we know that God absolutely uses other people and other means to accomplish his purposes. But our faith is not to be in the people or means that he uses. Our faith is in the one who ordains all of these things. Instead of trying to fight his battles on his own or telling God what he thought he should do, David resolved to wait quietly before the Lord, knowing that he would bring about his plan and his purpose for David's life at just the right time. I've shared before how I have a very important date written in the front of my Bible, July 22nd, 2001. This is when I made the decision to be baptized into Christ. I look back at this date and decision as a stake in the road, regardless of what life brings, regardless of the trials and troubles that I face. I know that I was bought with a price and that my life belongs to Jesus. I started to feel a call to ministry shortly after I was baptized attending youth group on Wednesday evenings, and serving on the youth worship team was a major part of my early Christian formation. I can look back and recognize how God faithfully orchestrated every season of my life to grow my faith and to equip me for kingdom work. When I was in the 11th grade, I went on a mission trip to New Orleans with my youth group. I always looked up to the youth minister. I wanted to be just like him. I didn't know him very well, and that's because our youth group had over 100 kids in it. But I love the idea of working in the church and having the opportunity to teach people about Jesus. While we were on the charter bus driving to New Orleans, I told the youth minister that I felt like God was calling me to go into ministry. And what he said has stuck with me for years. He said, if you're going to go into ministry, you're going to have to change everything about yourself first. To this day, I don't really know what he was trying to say, but I do know that his words hurt. He didn't provide any coaching any kind of encouragement or next steps. Instead, he just told me that I needed to change before God could use me. I decided that day that he or anybody else wasn't going to be the loudest voice in my life. I decided that God's voice was going to be the loudest voice. And if God was calling me to do something, that was good enough for me. I didn't need man's approval if I had God's approval. God alone would lead my life. David had a lot of people against him. People were literally trying to kill him. He felt like a broken down wall or a tottering fence. 
He encountered a lot of two-faced people. These are people who acted like friends to his face, but they talked about him behind his back. Regardless of the circumstances or people that he encountered, David knew that his victory would come from God. God alone was his rock. God was his fortress, his strong tower and savior. In times of uncertainty and waiting, David could be certain about the character and nature of God. And friends, in times of uncertainty and waiting, we can be certain about this in our lives as well. Hebrews 13 verse 8 reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So our hope is in God. Our strength comes from him. I know that waiting on God's timing and direction is not always easy, but it starts by being quiet or being still before him and remembering that he alone leads our lives. To be quiet before the Lord is not idleness or inactivity. Instead, it's calm worship and faith, resting in God's promises and submitting to his will. It's preparation for the time when God gives the orders to act. So if you're in a season of waiting, maybe it's job-related, parenting-related, finance-related, or something completely unique to your life and situation, I want to encourage you to remember that God alone leads us. I love this quote from Pastor Craig Groeschel. He says, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. In Psalm 31, verse 15, David wrote, my future is in your hands. Remembering that God alone leads our lives does a couple of things. One, it grows our faith as we wait and trust in him. And two, it makes certain that God and God alone gets all the glory and all the praise. So God alone leads us. Number two, if you're taking notes, God alone encourages us. David wrote about this truth in verses five through eight. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. In this second section, David repeated several important truths from the opening of the psalm. But there are a few significant variations. In verse 1, he wrote, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. And then in verse 5, he wrote, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Where the first section acts as a reminder of God's character and nature. Here in the second section, David was telling himself what to do in response to those truths. A lot of commentators and other pastors will refer to this as self-talk. Now, this is completely different than self-help. Self-help relies on self. It's the belief that you can get through the trials and troubles of life in your own strength and in your own power. It looks to other resources that are not necessarily rooted in Scripture. Self-talk is something that we should all get in the habit of doing more of. It's important for us to speak the truths of God's word forcefully to ourselves, to believe and accept that which we know to be true about God. David gave himself self-talk, reminding himself that God alone was his hope, his rock, his fortress, his strong tower and savior, that God alone would bring the victory and that God alone would ultimately encourage him. He used one metaphor after another to describe his unwavering confidence in God's ability 
to be all that he needed. In verse 8, David encouraged his readers to also put their unwavering confidence and trust in God. He said, O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Times of waiting can be hard if we don't learn to completely depend on God. And if you're anything like me, it's easy to look elsewhere for direction and encouragement. But God alone is the one who knows my heart. He knows my desires. He knows what I need. God alone can provide the kind of encouragement that I need in those times of waiting, the kind of encouragement that sustains me and draws me back to himself. And God knows that I'm a pretty impatient person. In my impatience, I'm quick to forget that he has a plan, that his plan is good, and that his plan will happen at just the right time. In the past, I've believed the lie that God's delays were his denials, but this couldn't be further from the truth. Back in 2015, I was experiencing a season of burnout in youth ministry, and I felt like God was calling me to transition into preaching ministry. We made the decision as a family to move back to Oklahoma so that we could spend time with the rest of our family, so that we could rest from full-time ministry for a while, and then start looking for the right position when the time was right. I think we said that we would wait about a year so that we could pray as a family and hopefully end up somewhere we could stay long-term. On May 16th, 2016, about a year after we moved, I got a call from my dad around 4 a.m., letting me know that my sister had passed away. I can't put into words what hearing this news felt like, and I can't begin to imagine how hard it must have been for my dad to have to make a call like that. No parent should ever have to do that. What started out as a year away from full-time ministry quickly turned into two and then three. After my sister passed away, we felt like we needed to stay close to family so that we could properly grieve the loss of my sister together. I was heartbroken, but I also remember feeling frustrated. I was working bivocationally, working as an estimator for my dad's construction company and serving part-time as a young adult pastor. So I hadn't completely stepped away from ministry, but I was really wanting to serve full-time again. I was frustrated because I believed that God was calling me to preach, but I didn't understand why it was taking so long for a door to open. Three years is a long time to wait. During that season, I learned that God's delays are not his denials. Being in Oklahoma meant that I was able to spend extra time with my sister before she passed away. And this is something that I will forever be grateful for. I was able to be around family as we navigated a very difficult season together. And I was able to rest while God prepared my heart for what was next. I also learned that God alone is my encourager through his word And through the people and other means that he used, God sustained me and encouraged me through a very difficult season. He taught me how to give myself the right kind of self-talk, not self-help, but self-talk, reminding myself that God alone is my hope, rock, fortress, strong tower, and savior. Friends, God's delays are not God's denials. If you happen to be in a season of waiting, I want to encourage you to learn from David's example. Learn that God alone encourages us during those times. Your impatience can actually be used by the devil to lead you on some pretty dangerous and destructive detours. Stay the course and continue to rely on God. Even when it seems like God is silent, the truth is that he is not. God alone encourages us. Number three, if you're taking notes, 
God alone is worthy of trust. David highlights this important truth in verses 9 through 12. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales, together they are lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you will repay all people according to what they have done. We've seen how David's confidence and trust were in God alone. We've seen him bring his trials, struggles, and complaints to God. And we've seen him encourage others to do the same. These last four verses act as the wisdom section of this psalm. Here, David reminds us about three things that cannot be trusted in times of waiting. He also reminds us about three things that can be trusted. Let's start with the three things that cannot be trusted. In verse 9, David wrote, Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales, together they are lighter than a breath of air. So the first thing that cannot be trusted is your position in life. Whether you were born wealthy or poor, high estate or low estate, all people are ultimately the same on the scales of life. So if you can picture a balancing scale, you have two sides that are meant to float up and down as you put various objects on them. The metaphor that David chose to use here is actually pretty humorous. It's of a balancing scale where both sides go up because they're both equally unworthy of trust. Referencing this verse, Matt Stafford wrote that death is the great equalizer. No amount of money, nobility, or social status can preserve your life. So don't put your trust in these things. In times of waiting, friends, don't put your trust in your position in life. It will ultimately fail you. In verse 10, David wrote, Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. So the second thing that cannot be trusted is power. That's what extortion and stealing is. Extortion is using intimidation and threats to make others give up what's rightfully theirs. Stealing is forcefully taking what doesn't belong to you. So don't put your trust in your own power. Don't put your trust in extortion or stealing. The third thing that cannot be trusted also comes from verse 10, and that is money or material possessions. David wrote, if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. With the exception of God's kingdom, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. And that's because wealth and material possessions can quickly take priority in your life if you're not careful. Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So three things that cannot be trusted, especially during times of waiting. Your position in life, power, and money or material possessions. Then David shared some wisdom, giving his readers three things that can be trusted. In verses 11 and 12, he wrote, God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. There are three things that are true about God in these verses. 
three things that can be trusted during times of waiting. First, power belongs to God. So we can trust in God's power, not in our own power or position in life. Second, God is a God of unfailing love. So we can trust in God's love for us. We can trust in his provision and his care. And third, God will repay all people according to what they have done. So when we experience injustice in life, we can trust in God's justice. At the end of the day, justice belongs to him. Commenting on these verses, Warren Wearsby wrote that God is powerful and God is merciful. God's strength and loving kindness are sufficient for every crisis in life. For we are in the hands of a God whose omnipotent love can never fail us. In seasons of waiting, we can trust in God's power. We can trust in God's unfailing love and in God's justice. We can put our trust in him because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God alone is worthy of trust. Three truths that will help you rely on God during those seasons when you're waiting on his timing and direction. God alone leads us. God alone encourages us. And God alone is worthy of trust.